listeners, I'm Daryl, and welcome back to On Civics on Democracy. Today, I need to cover a topic under Pillar 6, which deals with security. So many possible topics, but I just listened to a podcast, The Big Story, and their interview with Jack Goldstone about his model of how states fail. So while this might duplicate that a bit, I want to give a summary and my take on that model. I will also post um, the articles that I <clears throat> that I read um, regarding this, particularly the one from ABC News that uh, is titled "Model Predicting United States Disorder Now Points to Civil War." This topic is. You know, it's a pretty big one that could fall under several pillars of our democratic model, um, but I'll make the particular links to security, although I think they'll be pretty obvious. So this model emerged around 1991 when Bill Clinton was president. The authors are Professor Goldstone, who is a sociologist at my alma mater of George Mason University, and he specializes in revolutions. And the other author was Peter Turchin, an expert on the mathematical modeling of societies. Goldstone's book, Revolution and Rebellion in the Early Modern World, came out that year and describes the causes of revolutions and uprisings between 1500 and 1800 in both Europe and Asia. So they these authors had looked at had data on the ratio of workers' wages to GDP, life expectancy, the number of new millionaires, measures of political polarization, etc. And so far, nothing too remarkable there. Uh, They came up with a political stress index that combines three crisis indicators, declining living standards, increasing intra-elite conflict, and the weakening of the state. A growing PSI, political stress indicator, indicates likelihood of political violence. A healthy state was marked by relative wealth equality, greater consensus among society's elites, and a more robust, you know, government or state. Um, And they plotted on their graphs, the various upheavals of history. Um, Note that they did not distinguish between monarchies, democracies, or other systems. You know, so there was no guarantee that their model would work if if applied, for instance, to the particular case of the United States. Um, You know, but it did. And, and and not only to the United States, but the United States in modern times beyond the scope of their research. But surprisingly, it did sync with uh, what had unfolded, the Civil War that unfolded after and, and the unrest of the 1930s. Um, <clears throat> and in fact, in his book, Goldstone predicted the coming of a president like Trump. And a decade later, um, midway through President Obama's first term, these authors went on the record with an article 
in nature to predict a coming civil war because the conditions looked a lot like those leading to the last civil war. I, they're, <clears throat> when they look at things, <clears throat> they see, uh, and they're looking particularly at population changes. The American uh, population surged after World War II, with the, the baby boom, creating a huge, aging, wealthy group. And that's a problem if political elites did not take steps to make upward mobility possible for the next generation and the broader population, such as by reducing the cost of university, ensuring that wages could rise, uh, allowing and, and also allowing taxes to give government the needed revenues. But elites failed in all these things. Um, keep in mind this model didn't include the coming effect of social media platforms, uh, you know, because really they're writing, um, at least the, the initial model preceded that. Uh, still, the warnings that they made were echoed by uh, another model, the Fragile States Index, that looks at social cohesion uh, getting worse over time worsening public services and institutions and gridlock between ruling elites, namely, of course, Democrats and Republicans. Um, and the U.S. really stood out from other countries other than, you know, maybe the, well, even more than the U.K. Um, and the warning is that a healthy system can handle a shock, but a weak one often can't. So <clears throat> today, and this is what's getting a lot of recent attention, I guess is uh, Dr. Goldstone is repeating the message that political conduct since the 1980s has led to this moment when, quote, inequality, selfish elites, and polarization that have crippled the ability of the U.S. government to mount an effective response to the pandemic disease as well, end quote, as well as, quote, hampered our ability to deliver an inclusive economic relief policy and exacerbated the tensions over racial injustice, end quote. Um, <clears throat> so Goldstone gave a nice summary of three things that need to happen to create a crisis, like we're seeing. <laughs> the, the government has to be quite weak, let's say a sudden loss of spending power. The political elites have to be so divided that they can't agree on a rescue plan. And the people have to get very agitated, emotional. So does this sound like COVID to you? Um, and with or without COVID, there's lots of other things going on as the November election looms. Both Republicans and Democrats see this as existential to the future of America. There's all the boogaloos and QAnons out there, armed, crazy, and ready to go against Antifa and the Black Lives Matter protesters. And Goldstone says that even a Biden win won't be enough to calm the situation. But Goldstone doesn't 
predict an actual violent revolution. Uh, some civil rest with violence, yes, but the, the population of the U.S. is relatively old. It's more likely there would be huge but peaceful protests demanding a revote, and Democratic or and Republican congressional leaders might agree to do that, uh, but that would basically just be buying a little time to hopefully address the underlying causes of the problems. So, and although Goldstone sees some hope in progressive policies and the response to the Black Lives Matter movement, he advocates a move to the political center. We need to bridge the growing gulf, not widen it. For that, Biden would be a good choice, at least, even if it wouldn't be the solution. Okay, I'll share some thoughts and critiques about this. Uh, First, I'll state the obvious that democracies are sometimes tested too far when they uh, when they're faced with a lack of security so um, in these situations you know where you might have uh, violence and instability some people will want police to crack down others will see that just lead leading to a police state and it is hardest when you aren't sure who the enemy is and who is even in charge. Then again, you know, I'm a bit confused between the hype about the model, the Goldstone model, and the statement that violent revolution is unlikely. Um, you know, it's a bit of a letdown maybe, but from what I can tell, uh, you know, we by no means, and, and I, I, w- I would say Goldstone would agree, you know, let's not, be too complacent and hopeful because, for instance, gun sales keep going up, um, and my guess is more people on the left may be um, interested in buying them these days. Uh, you know, maybe the weakness of the NRA will allow for some progress on gun reform, but Americans will still be armed to the teeth regardless. Uh, looking for you know, I went looking for contrary evidence um, to predictions of uh, violence and civil unrest, and uh, I read an, an article, an interview about by that, that involved a, an interview with the historian of the Civil War, Nina Silber, Silber, who doesn't expect another civil war in part because there's no dividing line between North and South. Uh, you know, yes, there are. There's the coastal Democrats and the red states in the middle, but the reality is that nearly every state these days is divided and mixed, and that actually makes it harder to organize a good war. Um, perhaps related to this, Professor Silber doesn't think that the average person is ready to demonize the other side as much as it was uh, before the last civil war, but. That's debatable, and it's not comforting that a poll in 2018 found that 31% of uh, American voters believe that it's likely that the United States will experience a second civil war sometime in the next five years. If serious violence is going to happen, I think it would be 
between November and February. The battle for the Supreme Court nomination and abortion rights adds more fuel. Um, the climate fires and hurricanes give a kind of end-of-the-world feel to things. Mail ballots may slow an election result, while Trump and the other GOP tell their supporters that it was all fraud and head to the Republican Supreme Court. Um, unless Democrats do that, on evidence that state officials have disqualified minority mail ballots. People already riled up by lost income and politics head to the streets, many with weapons, and police may not be motivated to control that. The National Guard and the U.S. Army may want to stay neutral. As the institutions... Um, and that includes the, you know, responsible journalist organizations lose credibility. Um, people may take matters into their own hands. Um, if Biden is confirmed, this somewhat unlikely scenario that I'm describing gets even less likely. But there are millions of zealots who will want him to fail and also lesser zealots on the left who really feel the same. Um, and the Republicans have behaved like a desperate party clinging to power uh, in the face of their shrinking base. Uh, so I think that explains some of their tactics. And really, that party may start self-destructing, and that might produce some new party formations down the road. Uh but would that would all that embolden progressive voters and Black Lives Matter protesters to end their patient um, protests and ratchet things up? And what sort of incidents could trigger a runaway chain reaction? Um, anyway, Canadians are directly affected by the U.S., likely more than by anything that happens here domestically and what can we do besides watch you know would our prime minister break the tradition of staying out of their internal politics would we call for peace and order as would i mean i, I think we would call for peace and order and so would other states whatever good it would do uh would we see a flood of refugees would we offer any assistance would we hunker down and hope that things sort themselves out and what would we do if the forces of evil triumph? Okay, now I'm starting to sound crazy even to myself and too grim. Uh, maybe I just need a break from election coverage. But I do think that allowing sick politics and institutions to persist for too long is courting trouble. And maybe the best thing Canada can do is start getting serious about our own issues. And with that, so long, and talk to you soon. Bye-bye.